Philippians 2, verses 12 through 16. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to do both his will and work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so then the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we join with these words because of the authority of Jesus Christ for what he has done and in your Holy Spirit. Mold our ears, our hearts, and our minds that we may be filled anew with your beloved, with your Jesus Christ, with your Son, with your Spirit, with your truth and your love. And let us be filled with your light and life that we may share it to your glory and to our joy with one another and to the advancement of your kingdom here and around the world. Teach us and form us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is a true joy to be with you again. It is one of our realities that we have an apartment in Berlin, but we don't have a home. Um, my parents have moved into a care facility. They've sold their home um, on the near east side of Portland. So I am a Portlander, for anyone who's wondering. Um, but Portland is still a place I would consider home in my mind, but I have no place to have a key to open a door. Um, and Holly's family has moved around a lot. And while our address may be there for our um, credit card bill, uh, we, don't have a, we don't have a key there either. And we're getting a little older, and that's something that continually hits us, is that we have no home, per se, anymore here on Earth. But this is our home. Being with our church family here in the U.S. and in Berlin, that is our home. And so it is with great pleasure that I can say thank you for you all welcoming, welcoming me home this morning. I want to welcome you into an experience that our newest church plant, and it is, this church plant actually borders southwest Berlin and into Brandenburg, which is the state surrounding Berlin. So we actually work in both the west and the east at this point. And for those of you who are really interested in those crazy dynamics, please do stay after the worship service. We have always learned, always, with each and every one of these projects that the Lord sends us on, to reach out into a community, to see people come to faith, to make disciples, and then to see churches planted. We learn a ton. This project, however, was a little bit different. And I'll tell you 
just quickly, our last project went very, very well. It exceeded everyone's expectations. And so after that project was finished, um, people within our, our central church in, in downtown Berlin said, hey, we would like you to come work in this new project with us. You have this experience, you have this momentum from this last project. We have a lot of people willing, ready to go with a lot of resources. And so we thought, wow, this experience and momentum and these resources coming together, that could be a slam dunk. And I can see some of you thinking, I might want to lean over to the person next to me and say, he seems nice, but I don't think this is going to end well. And this sounds like a lot of pride, a lot of confidence. Please understand, it's going well. But three and a half, four years ago, it did not start well. We really were confident. We really thought, hey, we have a lot of things that most church plants, they don't start this way. And we looked to those things instead of Luke 9, Luke 11. Take nothing with you. I give you power and authority. Well, this is not those times, but we have the power of the written word. And all authority is given to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I will be with you. But our eyes weren't fully set on those two things. Fortunately, as we all know, the Lord is gracious. And he used the book of Philippians to help get us refocused. So I'm going to share a small snippet of what we learned as a church plant to get to help simply refocus our vision that we just sang about back on the power and authority where it belongs for the community. So, um... Let me go ahead and start with verse 12. And this is something that I think a lot of us know, but we can easily forget. We are the beloved of Father God. There is nothing that becomes between his love and us. Now, as we've also prayed in our confession, it is possible for us to turn from that identity, to look and do other things than be fully embraced by this love. And the trick, though, that the enemy plays is that when we turn from the Lord in our sin and forget our identity as his beloved, and we look for love in other sources, the enemy can whisper in our ear, and you know what? Your loving God has also turned from you. That is the lie that can creep in and make this cleft seem like it's double-sided. It is not. The Bible is chock full of truth in love that says he never turns from his beloved. He may be sad. He may be angry. But he never, never leaves his children. I was thinking, what illustration can I give? What movie can I quote? What classic poetry? I am a literature major, for those of you who remember that. Um, great poetry on love. I need to read you some of the best poetry, which comes from Psalm 103. This is the picture of God's abiding love. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all 
that is in me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Thanks be to God. Wearing this crown of steadfast love and mercy, he then says, obey. And please understand, obey is a complex word. I think sometimes, especially some of us parents, try and make it very simple. Do what I say. It's not complicated. I say it, you do it. Well, when, especially when children get older, it does get more complicated. There's more of a discussion. So, I look more into this word. It is, it is very much, the Lord hath said, therefore, we follow. But it is a following. It is also a sense of imitation. Jesus says, I only am doing what I see the Father doing. It is auditory. What has he said? It is also very visual. What? is Jesus doing? What do we see in the scriptures and how do we then imitate that? Paul says also imitate me. There's also another really beautiful visual that is a denotation of this phrase and that is it is hearing the knock. Jesus is knocking and then it means to then open the door. As we were working with this, with this new body of believers, um, a relatively large body of believers in southwest Berlin and, and part of Brandenburg, most of the people, when we said, hey, let's look at the word to see how this word will form the church plan, they said, oh, I've read that, phrase, or I've read that uh, text before. Yes, but we need to hear again the knock. What is this word saying to us more deeply? When it, have we ever done a church plant in this part of town before? No. What does this word have for us that will instruct us how to do a church plant according to his will and not on our momentum and our resources? And it really took people a while to recognize, oh, Jesus is knocking and we need to open his door to his truth and his love again today for us at this time for this new situation. The truth remains the same. Our situations do change. Our understanding grows. It also helped us understand that Jesus knocks by bringing us into direct um, what's, sorry, encounter with the least of these. Mike and I had a great meeting this week, and we talked about what it means to minister to the least of these, those who cannot give anything back, those that we are to invite to the wedding feast because they can't give anything back. It's very easy to see the same neighbors in, in Berlin. We have also quite a few homeless, and it's easy to start to look past the least of these. Jesus encounters us anew with the knocking of looking at those who surround us who can't give anything back and begs the question, 
how can we be the light and the love and the life of Jesus Christ to the least of thee? And yes, it takes more than we are often comfortable with. But that's what his love does. It fills us to overflow. And we'll get to that in just a minute. So I would like then to move on beyond this identity of being beloved and those who obey to the command that Jesus gives and that Paul gives here in Philippians 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. First, our salvation. This is our salvation for those of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ. We've said, yes, we trust in the Lordship of Christ. This means the footing, the foundation is solid. It will never be broken. But also our footing on that foundation is also fast. We can never be removed or blown by the winds of the age from that foundation. We have a firm foundation and you are secure on that foundation. Yes, there are real challenges today. Yes, there is anxiousness in the world today. That does not mean there's a crack in the foundation or a weakness of our foot. We are secure, beloved, on his foundation. For those that are with us today who may be wondering, would I like to be a follower of Jesus? Can I trust Jesus? First and foremost, we are overjoyed that you are here today. We love sharing this truth and his perfect love with our fellow men. What this means for you is that you can trust Jesus for two reasons. First, he loves perfectly. And there is nothing we can do to make that perfect love imperfect. Secondly, he's not just a nice, loving old man. He is the almighty God who saves. And he can deliver you from any situation. If you have any doubt about this, please find me after the service, and I will tell you all the ways that I have seen hundreds of people come to faith in his perfect love and in his perfect power. He delivers, and he delivers always, 100%, all the time. We read that in the song. Now, we work out this salvation. What it means to work out is to put effort into something that produces fruit. It's The salvation is a personal experience, but the effect of this salvation is not just private. It is also very public. It works in us and then bears fruit through us. It is now harvest time in a lot of places in the Northern Hemisphere. Think about the apple trees. Think about everything, the berries. Does a raspberry bush feed on raspberries? Absolutely not. It produces fruit for other lives. We are the same. We are a vine held fast. I'm sorry. We are the branches held fast by the vine. And our grapes are fruit for others to know the goodness of the vine. So it is this this wonderful mix of being perfectly at peace in Jesus, this knowing that we are delivered and we are saved, and yet also this beautiful call 
to be nutrients, to be light and life for others who are not yet attached to that bond. So I want to give you a quick image. Um, everyone in my family, except for me, loves to go to the beach. I happen to love the mountains. And fortunately, there are a few places in God's creation where you have both. Um, they tend to be a little expensive, so we have to usually make a choice. But think about your salvation as laying, if you love the beach, laying on this beautiful beach and just the sun is beating down on you and you are totally at peace. Or if you're like me, you're on a mountaintop and you're looking upon creation and just, I could stay here forever. Take that feeling, that sense of ultimate peace, joy, and mix it with you also work for the best oncologist in the entire universe. And he has said, your best friend is now completely free of cancer. And it's not his job to inform all the patients of the results. That's his staff's job. He's the physician, and he needs to get to his next appointment to heal someone else. He needs you, that's your job, to tell the good news of being completely healed to your best friend. That is this salvation. It is being ultimately at peace, knowing we have a presence surrounding us that can never be taken away, as well as one of the best jobs in the world, which is to say to someone we love, or to someone we've just met, you have a new lease on life. You thought you were dying, you have been healed with fear and trembling. Lars and I, about a month ago, about a month ago to this day, were standing on top of the highest mountain in Africa, Mount Kilimanjaro. And getting up was incredibly difficult. Getting down caused fear and trembling. Because it was steep. And when you're going up, it just feels like, are we ever going to get to the top of this thing? And sometimes you wonder, we're not going to. Getting down meant going down against gravity and being on these huge rocks and not sure where's my foot going to land. And you're tired from going up all night and you have to go down a few thousand feet the same day. There's fear and trembling as well as excitement. And some of you may be asking, what on earth are you doing at the top of Kilimanjaro? Well, I would like to share that story as quickly as possible. We'll share it probably a little more um, in the, the time after the service. There is um, this amazing couple. He's German, um, a business consultant, one of the better, from what I understand, in Germany. She has a PhD in physics from Romania. And they are the central couple that form our leadership team uh, our forming leadership team for the church plant. As soon as they said, we are joining this church plant, we are giving as many finances as we can to this church plant, um, we are donating our time and our home to this church plant, he was fired from his job. And there's always struggle when people join the church plant. This was pretty extreme. He went, because Germany has amazing labor laws, he went, 
to see his lawyer on his bike um, to see what can we do about this unjust firing. He was hit by a car and landed in the hospital with a broken back. When he was in the hospital, they were doing, of course, all kinds of tests and discovered that he had cancer. They said that he had a 1% chance to live. And this does not happen very often for me, but I knew that this was a spiritual attack with very real physical outworkings. And I said, but T.S., we will meet every single day today because the enemy is just hammering you and you need protection uh, that, that comes from the body. And so I and others, we gathered around this man and his family day after day after day. And the Lord made it clear in prayer that he would be healed. And that is where the fear and trembling came in. Because you, Germany has some of the most amazing doctors in the world. And these amazing doctors were saying, he's not going to make it. I had a very clear understanding that God was going to heal him. And that can look like spiritual To For me to say, I really believe that this is what God, and medical professionals were saying, that I'm doing the right thing, or saying something else. This could be giving false hope. This is a really, really difficult situation. He said, look, this will happen. So I said, okay, Matthias, I could be wrong. This is what I believe God is saying. Rejoice in this power of salvation that gets worked out, but it is with fear and trembling. We go higher than we ever have. We go deeper than we ever have in this sense of what it means to bring people from death to life. It is far beyond our limited capacities, and that is scary and exciting all at the same time. So we said, when we were in the dark times, and when we weren't sure if it was if Matthias was going to live or not. If and when you are healed, we are going to celebrate by climbing a mountain together. Because a few of us in this group, we just love climbing mountains. And so that is why Lars and I were on top of mountains in the four weeks ago, is to celebrate this salvation in Matthias' life. And we'll show a picture It's then possible, because we have both this salvation at work in us, but also this call to share this salvation with others. If you're like me, you're a recovering Pharisee. My family is not Christian. In our family, if you do well and if you work hard, you are rewarded. And that can feel like love. That's not the love of the Bible. Please don't walk away from this service. Oh, well, if you work hard, you work. No, that is being a Pharisee. That's work. It's not grace. What, we're say- what Paul is saying here is that we have this command, and we can try and fulfill that command in our own strength. That is about as wrong as not fulfilling the command and this is where people like me get it wrong all 
time. It's where very efficient and competent German people that work with us in our turf plant, we got it wrong all the time. And this is why we needed the Book of Philippians to really help us get back on it. The Greek word that Paul uses here is a word that means fuel or energy. It is his strength, not ours. God is at work in us. If we do things on our own strength, we actually make things worse. Please understand, we often try and convince ourselves, well, if I just do a little more, if I just do this, I can make it a little bit better. That does not give God the role. That is robbing the Almighty. It makes things worse. So, what image do we have of a Christian working in his or her own strength? Well, it's usually a forced smile. It's usually being active. But there is a sense of strain. There's a sense of stress or bitterness or ingratitude. And that always comes out at an inopportune moment. And what it does is it gives people who were, to whom we're witnessing this sense of, well, you keep talking about you know, being on this perfect beach or being on this beautiful mountaintop and being perfectly at peace and filled with love, but you look more stressed than I am. And that's because we are trying to work out of our own limited strength and we're frustrated because it's not better. Quick visual picture for this is a watermelon. A water mill can only turn when the river is dry. We are the mill. We are not the people. And I understand you all probably know this. But as Peter says in 2 Peter, it is good and right that I stir you up to remind you of the truth. We are the mill. We wait and then we move at his power. And then it says, to will and work for his good pleasure. This is how we know that he's really at work in us. Sometimes it's, is God really, I mean, I know it says he's at work. I believe this is true. How do I know? We know is because we are not tired. We are not bitter. We're not resentful. And we are getting a sense of his good pleasure by doing this. I have the joy of preparing this for you this morning. It was a joy. I wasn't bitter. A little nervous, yes. It's my first time preaching in a long time. I don't we don't preach I don't preach a lot in here. Some but once a month. It's been months and it's the first time I'm preaching in English. And so I was a little nervous, but it was with joy and not this is how we know pleasure, joy, the message of Philippians in his power. Last point. The impact then that this, him being at work in us is that we then do all things for those that he brings us into contact with. 
Now, this is how the world knows that he's at work in us. Do all things, all things, ouch, everything without grumbling or disputing. I talked about this with our, our German uh, church plant. And I asked them, can I share this with people in the States when I go back? They said, yes, because it's true. I said, let's look at this for us. And when I mean us, I mean me as a German. Please understand, I am American. I have a passport. I can show you. I am also now German. I get to be both. And I said, what does it mean for us to do all things without grumbling? And they said, that's impossible. I said, all right, let's think of it this way. Um, both Holly and I were, were athletes, so we're in Olympic sports, so Olympics are very big for us. Do you think that if grumbling, as a German meckan, and meckan is this national pastime, always complaining about things not being perfect enough, if, if this was an Olympic sport, where would Germany, oh, gold medal, every single four years, we would own that sport. And it's funny because, really, we as Germans, we do, it's, this isn't good enough, and this could be better, and it's true. But this is not the German culture. This is kingdom culture. And if God is really at work in us, then our focus is on joy. It is on gratitude. It is on the power and the love that we've just heard about. And so, please think, how can you be an Olympic champion of joy this week? Think about, what do you have to be joyful about? Yes, there are serious issues. There is suffering in this world. But there is also great reason to be grateful and joyful. Think about that reason, and then please, think about the person that, you, that needs to hear this from you. Who has God brought into your life? to hear this great joy, to hear this wonderful gratitude that you have, because God loves and is at work in you. Disputing, um, I think this is where the Eastman family probably would take gold. Um, often our family tends to break down around the dinner table because it comes to the point of who's right and who has a better reason for being right. And Often, more often than not, I simply say, okay, I'm pulling the emergency brake. Our family cannot be about self-righteousness or even, you know, logical arguments. It is about sharing the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit with one another. And through this family, with other families. Please understand this truth that is at work in us. It is his righteousness. It is absolute truth. It is never separate from the love that we started. Please look at how we can share truth in love with those that God brings us into contact this week. By doing this, we shine as lights in the world. This provides an amazing opportunity to shine because there is so much darkness and gratitude and joy. Those, that is light in a dark and broken world. I will share the story that I wanted to hear after um, because we do need to wrap up. 
we embrace Jesus' love and power and salvation and make it real, it actually changes and renews our lives. And this is where friends of mine in Berlin say, this guy's name was Florian. He says, Jay, you talk about Jesus like he's standing right here. I'm a German. I believe in the bridge that's right here that I can walk across. And you talk about Jesus like he's a German-built concrete bridge. And I look at Florian and say, brother, Jesus is more real than your bridge. And he is, more, he is stronger than your bridge. And he can deliver you to a place that that bridge will never reach. We got Florian the weekend before we left. Jesus is more real than the darkness. The light that is in us is more real than the brokenness of this world. And it's our joy to continue to work out that reality for us and for those around us. Last image, and that is a light bulb. God has made us to be a light bulb. But without him, without his love, without his truth, and without, without him at work in us, it's a light bulb. Fortunately, we don't have any in this room, so great job to the deacons and the maintenance staff. But imagine one of these light bulbs. It's there, but there's no light coming out. Thanks. There, oh, sorry, there is one. Nice. Oh! <laughs> you guys, you guys are the best. <laughs> so, this is the truth, that, that we can be this light bulb, but there is light coming out of us that fills us, it warms us. The light of Christ, it is not a cold light, it is a warm light like a fire. And it invites people to come and to be warm. And we not only are light for people to be seen, but we can then see by this light. And that's, you know, holding fast to the word. That truth allows this light to have a focus and a direction pointing directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not an anonymous light. It is a personal, real light. And so let's pray and thank God for his light in us. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that you love us beyond any measure we can conceive of and that that gives us salvation and light to share with this world. Forgive us for trying to do it on our own strength. Forgive us for walking the other way instead of hearing your knocking to say share that light with others. Thank you for cleansing us and for letting your light be clear through us. And let us see those around us, both in Portland, in Beaverton, in Berlin, around the world, that we may share your light, your life, and your love in the full power of your salvation, to your glory, to our joy in the advancement of your kingdom. Amen.